You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 36. Before we jump into today's episode, I have a little announcement to make and that is soon I will be starting the Fat Fix remote coaching. This is something that I've held off for quite some time. I've obviously had no excuses than to get it sorted whilst being in lockdown. So it is coming very soon. I cannot wait to start it. If you are interested in working with me remotely, online, whatever you want to call it, please, please get in touch with me. If you are a fan of my podcast and you like my work and you want a coach to work with you, please get in touch with me. Shoot me an email, info at coachdavidflowers.com. Simply head over to my Instagram, at coachdavidflowers. Go to my bio, click the link, and there's an application in there for the coaching. I won't waffle on any more about it. I'm not used to doing any form of promotion or sponsors on here at all. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode and I hope you're all staying safe through this time. Today's podcast is all about cardio or conditioning. I like to call it conditioning, but I know you listeners call it cardio and that's totally fine. It's the same thing. And I know that a lot of people have actually started out with some form of cardio during this period of time, since we are all on lockdown, people are getting outside more. I'm seeing more and more people engaging in exercise, going, going for a run, being outside, which is, is really, really good to see. And I hope a lot of people do keep that up because it's something that I'm sure a lot of people don't usually do in their life. And it's really, it's really, like I say, it's really good to see. And this is the reason why I wanted to cover this today. And conditioning is one of my favorite topics. It's something that I've learned a lot about. I continue to learn more and more about it from the leading experts in the health and fitness industry, guys that I look up to, who I learn a tremendous amount from. And I then use that with my clients. I, I like to use the, some of the conditioning protocols and, and things like that with what the experts use with their clients, albeit if they are even athletes, I use them with my general population clients. And most of my clients are general population, weight loss, general health-based clients. And you, you listening to this will probably fall into that category as it is. It's something that I absolutely love reading about and, and geek out on it, definitely. And during this time myself, I found myself doing a lot more cardio and I've absolutely loved getting to the park and doing some hill sprints and things like that. It's been an absolute breath of fresh air. And it's something that I'm definitely going to keep up a lot more doing stuff like that as opposed to doing conditioning based work solely in the gym when sometimes that can become a little bit tedious and things like that. So obviously conditioning and, and cardio, it's, it's impacts are unbelievable for for our health and they are it's far more far more than just for athletic performance conditioning and improving your conditioning can help reduce inflammation help you live longer 
reduce risk of disease, improve your memory, and obviously, yes, burn body fat as well. The only problem with this, and this is including fitness professionals as well that I see on Instagram, is they don't train conditioning properly. They either do endless amounts of high-intensity intervals or nothing at all. It's never in the middle. So with this in mind, and obviously the considering the rise of cardiovascular disease, strokes, and other diseases, without being a scaremonger, conditioning can literally be a matter of life or death for some people, especially people like you listening, who, who no doubt is a normal person, works a full-time job, and has a stressful and chaotic life. So this is the reason for today's podcast, to share with you what I have found to be very effective strategies to use for general population clients whose goals are simply weight loss and general health. And I'm going to share with you what I actually do with my clients first and foremost now to get an understanding of their baseline. And you definitely need to do this yourself when it comes to your own conditioning. So I'm going to share with you everything that I do. What I do with everybody that works with me is develop a conditioning baseline. And now this is something that is often overlooked. People just, just go out pounding the pavements or they'll just do, they'll go to the gym and start trying to thrash themselves on an assault bike without actually developing a conditioning baseline or at least understanding where their baseline even is before they go and do that. And it's overlooked because it's not sexy. But without this baseline, you will never know if you actually are improving or not. People who usually do this are the highly strong individuals and they usually are the successful individuals who don't take it much seriously from my experience as a trainer. They'll think they're too advanced for it when in fact it's them who probably need it the most. So this is what I do and I like to keep it very simple for my clients is what I want you to do first and foremost before you do anything is measure your resting heart rate. So if you have a heart rate monitor, strap it on, get your resting heart rate. If you've got an Apple Watch or anything like that, you can use that or even just take your own pulse manually. Ideally, you want to do this up on wake at first. So as soon as you wake up in the morning, take your resting heart rate, jot that number down. What is that number? Because over time, us knowing that number and seeing, seeing it change, obviously, hopefully, for the better going down, a powerful indicators that conditioning is massively improving. And the stuff you are doing is improving it. Because what is the point in doing all these things if we're not seeing any correlation in things improving? And we want to see things improving, not just necessarily looking at our waistline. We want to look at other powerful indicators like our resting heart rate, because that has a correlation to all the health benefits that I spoke about just a second ago. So we want to make sure that's going down. And it just gives you an idea of where it actually lies. Is it really elevated? I've had clients whose resting heart rates in the 90s and they're not even doing anything. They just woke up in the morning and took their resting heart rate. When they start doing conditioning smartly and properly and doing what I've set them to do, which I'm sharing with you today, their heart rate comes down tremendously. The blood pressure drops and they get all the health benefits that conditioning can bring. So now you've got your resting heart rate. You are going to perform a 12-minute aerobic capacity test. 
So this is a maximum performance test of work that you can do in just 12 minutes. And it's excellent performance marker of overall conditioning. Those who have lower levels of conditioning use a bike, a cross trainer, or some other low impact piece of kit. So if you have got any niggles and knee, knee niggles or things like that, definitely use things that are a bit more low impact. If you're a capable runner, run. And what I want you to do is perform the test for 12 minutes as fast as you can at a pace that allows you to keep proper form and technique throughout. So obviously during this test, again, like I said before, how you measure it is down to you. I use a heart rate monitor, a Polar H10. You can get from Amazon and download the Polar B app. If you um, have an Apple Watch and you're really, really rich, then use that. Or even if you have a Fitbit, anything that gives you a rough idea, that is, that is fine. But I would like to use something like a heart rate monitor just because I can check these variables better, which I'm going to mention now. So you're going to do the run or the bike, whatever it is that you, you choose to do for 12 minutes, and you're going to work as hard as you can for 12 minutes. From that, we're going to see and we're going to write down what our average heart rate was, which shows when you use an app, tells you what, you, what your average heart rate was for the duration of that 12-minute run or that 12-minute bike that you actually do. Number two, you're going to look at your heart rate recovery. So once you've actually just finished in that 12 minutes is up on the clock, you're going to then count to 60 seconds and see how much your heart rate drops within that 60 seconds. And you're going to write it down. So for example, if your heart rate's at 170 BPM, once you finish that 12 minute test, you're going to wait 60 seconds and see how far that BPM comes down. Does it come down to 160? And not very much, or does it come down to 130 and quite quite a significant difference? And obviously the number in that determines how quickly you can recover. If it just drops by 10 BPM in 60 seconds, the chances are it's taking you a while to recover. If it drops significantly quick, chances are you're recovering very fast, which is a good thing. Number three is check the distance. How far did you run in 12 minutes? What was the distance you covered? Or if you use a bike, and I know people like to have things like calories as the metric, that's fine as well. If you jump on a bike, how many calories did you burn from what the bike's telling you, regardless if it's accurate or not, in 12 minutes? Jot that down. So you've got three variables there to look at. Average heart rate, heart rate recovery, and the distance are the calories. Once you've jotted all them down, you've got a rough idea of how you performed that test. And obviously, that's where you can start to get an idea of where you are. And that test can be, I like to retest that. You can retest that every two weeks. You can retest that. You can retest it every week if you want to. Retest it every month. I like to retest that every month with people. Or I'll use a smaller test, like a five-minute test, and I'll get them to do it weekly. So we'll just do a five-minute on the assault bike how many calories can you get out in five minutes what's your average heart rate what's your heart rate recovery and start seeing if that's improving on a week-to-week -week basis so what i'm going to do now is talk about target heart rate zones and i think doing it this way is a lot easier than going into energy systems and things like that because i don't want to confuse you too much but now you have a rough idea of what tests that you can do and what tests that you can carry out whether it's weekly bi-weekly or monthly and once you know your resting heart rate that gives you some 
kind of numbers set in place that you can now look to progress on and what types of cardio that you can do to make things better. So I'm going to go into target heart rate zones now to break down these different zones and what type of training you need to do within each one and which one is most important going off your resting heart rate. And I'll go and show you some examples after I've gone through these heart rate zones and I'll go into selecting the right volume and intensity for your current conditioning levels. So heart rate zones. The first heart rate zone that I want to go over is the activation zone. Now, this is the lowest zone where people will be primarily using lower intensity methods. The key with this is that your heart rate is low, but not too low that you don't get a real training effect. So for example, walking. And this type of zone is typically usually working around 120 to 150 BPM for most people. This is personally my favorite zone to work a lot of general population clients at because they don't really have the fitness capabilities to be able to handle more intense types of training. And I'll go into them when I talk about the other zones. This is something that I can do quite often. It's, it's really good type of training to be able to get more volume. So what I mean with that is that you can recover from it very, very quickly so you can do more of it. And if the goal is weight loss, we want to be able to up the frequency of training that we do. And we don't want to be doing any types of training that basically rule us out from moving for a week if weight loss is the goal. And with this, we should be looking at somewhere around a 6 out of 10. And you should be able to hold conversation with people going at this pace. So, for example, if you do go on a run and you find yourself going over that 150 BPM, the likelihood is that you, you're, in, you're, you're no longer in that zone. You probably can't hold conversation, for example. Or you might find yourself getting into the really high heart rates, but you're not actually doing anything of that much intensity. So from that, we really do need to probably drop the pace of our run, albeit you might not feel like you are gassing or you, you're really tired from it. But that's a sign to say your conditioning is not where it should be for the type of training that you're currently doing. So you might have to pull back the speed of that run, maybe even do more of a power walk, a really light jog to get your heart rate within the 120 to 150 BPM, for example. So that's activation zone. That's number one. That's something that I like to do a hell of a lot with my clients because I can basically create a lot of frequency. They can recover from it and that's ultimately what I want. I want them to keep progressing and higher volumes of it can be used. The next zone is the threshold zone. Obviously, this falls above the activation zone. This is now working at a bit more of a higher intensity. And basically, you, you won't be able to hold any conversation usually during this, during this zone. So you, you might be able to string a few words together and respond to some questions, but you shouldn't really be able to do more than that. And if you can do more than that, the likelihood is your heart rate is a little bit too low and we need to increase the intensity a little bit more. And with this zone, it's usually between 150s 
to low to mid 160s and roughly about a seven or an eight out of 10 if we were to rate it on a one out of 10 scale in terms of difficulty. And again, this all varies depending on a person's fitness levels. If somebody's quite fit, they'll probably work more to the higher end of that um, mid 160s. Someone who's a little bit less conditioned will maybe work around the 150s and that's the same with the, um, the activation zone as well. The last zone is the VO2 zone. This is where the entire cardiovascular system is working its hardest to deliver the maximum amount of oxygen throughout the body. Basically, with this type of work, usually people have quite large amounts of muscle mass um, and they're able to basically, well, they have a ton of muscle fibers all working and demanding oxygen pretty much. And basically this VO2 zone is like 90% of your max heart rate and above. With this one, you're looking about 180 plus to even 200 BPM, depending on an individual's maximum heart rate. And training at these high rates, high heart rates, should I say, is extremely fatiguing. And it will probably be, be about a nine out of 10 effort. And for general population clients, they need very small doses of this, if none at all. And to be honest with your clients with low level conditioning levels, and we'll go through what that actually means in a minute there's no need to do any of this stuff at all you won't be able to carry out this type of training with the intensity nor recover from it and be able to deal with it and handle it therefore that then limits the amount of times that you can do it and that's not what we want and that's going back to what i mentioned before people are obsessed with this type of training and they wipe themselves out they'll go on the assault bike for 30 seconds they'll go all out and they'll be white as a ghost, lying on the floor, not able to get the breath, throwing up. <laughs> what is the point of that? And the likelihood is that they're not going to go and do that the next day. They'll likely, they'll likely not want to train at all. And that is not the goal. And that's not what we want. So they're the three zones. Now you know the three zones, it's about selecting the right volume and intensity for you as an individual. So now you've got your resting heart rate. You, you, you figured that out. Are you going to figure that out? Somebody with low conditioning levels, their resting heart rate is usually 70 plus BPM. So if your resting heart rate is 70 plus BPM, you're classed as a low conditioning level. Well, that's fine. And what do you need? What do you need if your heart rate, resting heart rate is 70 plus BPM when you check it in the morning? You need roughly about three to four days per week of around 30 to 45 minutes in the activation zone. And you need around one day per week, 20 to 30 minutes in the threshold zone. And I'm gonna go into examples of what type of training the activation zone is and threshold zone is. But they're your days, three to four days, 30 to 45 minutes in the activation zone, one day only per week of 20 to 30 minutes in the threshold zone. If you've got moderate conditioning levels and your resting heart rate is around 55 to 70 BPM, I would probably say more like 55 to 65, that's moderate. You need three to four days per week of 45 to 60 minutes in the activation zone, up to two days per week of the 30 to 40 minutes in the threshold zone, and no more than one day of 20 to 30 minutes in the VO2 zone. If that, people with high conditioning levels, 
with a resting heart rate around 48 to 55. Bear in mind, this is someone who's extremely conditioned if they, they have a resting heart rate of 48 or even 50. They're quite conditioned individuals. And for them, we recommend two to three days per week of 60 minutes in the activation zone and up to one to two days per week of 30 to 45 minutes in the threshold zones and no more than two days per week of 20 to 30 minutes in the VO2 zone. So even those with high conditioning levels, two days a week, no more than that, even for them in the VO2. But the chances are you listening to this probably fall in the, the lines of a low conditioning level individual or even a moderate. So it's all about, you will find out this from your resting heart rate. And any trainers that are listening to this, they'll find out what their client is and what type of conditioning protocols you can put into place. And I'll go into some examples now of some of those that we can actually do with our clients. So I'm going to go into some, to be honest, I'm just going to cover activation zone examples and threshold zone examples today because I'm not going to go into talking about people with high conditioning levels because this is talking probably about athletes and the likelihood is you're not an athlete. So you don't need to worry about any of this stuff. If your goal is weight loss and general health, the likelihood is activation zone and threshold zone work will be more than enough for you and something that you'll actually enjoy doing without feeling like shit. End up feeling like you're losing as well. Because a lot of people do these tr training sessions or try to push the push too hard and feel like dog shit and then basically feel defeated and they don't win the day. And this is more down the lines of trainers listening to this. If your clients are not winning at something, they're going to drop off. Their adherence is going to be poor. And they're not going to be participating in this type of work if you feel like they keep failing all the time or feeling like sick all the time. And it's not to say don't work hard because that's not necessarily the case at all because you can work very hard within these zones. It's just how you do it and how you do it smartly. So now you know the heart rate zones. Now you know how much of each one that you need. Obviously, you might need to listen back to this podcast to write down what I've gone over there so you can jot it down depending on your resting heart rate. Now let's start looking in some examples. Activation zone, cardio examples. The first one is cardiac output. I absolutely love this. I swear by this type of stuff. And like we mentioned before, going into the examples of that, it all depends on what conditioning level you're at for how, what, how long of a duration that you do that type of training. So a cardiac output example is now looking into what we're looking at here is a heart rate between 120 to 150, anywhere between 30 and 90 minutes per session. And frequency can be anywhere between one to four times per week going off your conditioning levels. How do we do it? And how do we progress it? Cardiac output stuff. So basically, you just want to keep your heart rate within those zones. You can do anything you want, whether that's a low pressure exercise like a jog, just simple steady state jogging, as long as you're staying in them zones for the time frames that I've, I've mentioned and the duration that I've mentioned. Bike, swimming, skipping, if, if, you're able, if you're able to do that, that is. Or you can even do some form of card um, aerobic capacity circuit 30 seconds on next size see where your heart rate is perfect do a set of goblet squats my heart rate is 150 
30 seconds rest, bring the heart rate down, go again for another 30 seconds. But what I'm doing is I'm making sure my heart rate stays within that zone. So I can even do resistance um, types of training as well within that. I like to do that with a lot of my clients. Sometimes you can do some prowler pushes, some sled dragging, some farmer's carries. You can body weight, calisthenics, anything. You can make this really entertaining. You can make it really fun. It doesn't have to be a long, steady state jog. But these are just some examples that you can do for some cardiac output work, um, aerobic capacity circuits. All them fit in that if you keep your heart rate within those zones. If your heart rate's peaking too much, you need to probably either drop the speed of you doing the repetitions or even drop the weight that you're using or even include a bit more rest times or whatever it may be. You can keep it quite quite easy, quite simple, quite enjoyable. So that's cardiac output and that's for the activation zone. Another example of a great activation zone protocol is tempo intervals. I do these a hell of a lot. If you follow me on Instagram and see my Instagram stories, how do we do tempo intervals? Again, this falls still in the zone. So we're still looking at a heart rate of around 130 to 150. Might be towards the higher end of this because now what we're looking to do with the tempo intervals is basically increase the amount of higher intensity work that we're doing into short intervals. So what we'll do with a tempo interval, we'll perform anywhere between 8 to 12 seconds of work, about 70% of our maximum heart rate. So again, that might for about be about 150, for example. So it's more of a higher intensity duration, but it's not going above that. Then rest 60 seconds and then repeat. And for most people, again, your heart rates will probably fall between 145 to 150 for this one. More higher, but you're still within that activation zone that I mentioned. You can complete anywhere between 8 to 16 intervals of this, depending on your, um, your conditioning levels or your client's conditioning levels and how much time you have. The goal of this is basically to get into the recovery zone pretty fast. So what I mean by that is the, you'll be basically be doing the run, see where your heart rate is, see how quickly it comes down for you to repeat the run. So for example, when I run up a hill, it might take me 8 seconds to run up a hill. I will walk back down that hill and take my 60 seconds rest. If my heart rate is kind of still quite high around one, four, five, and it's not quite recovered because I know then if I do another, another interval, it will peak above 150, for example, and I want to keep within that activation zone. What I will actually do is just wait until that time my heart rate has dropped and then do another interval and, and use the 60 seconds. The fitter I get, I'm obviously going to recover bit quicker so I might end up going from 60 seconds rest in between intervals to 45 seconds to 30 seconds and that is basically a progression method for the tempo intervals is how quick you recover between sets of that or you can even just set 20 minutes on a clock I love doing this run up a hill walk back down run up a hill walk back down monitoring my heart rate making sure that I'm actually staying within these within these zones so they're good examples of some of the activation zones that you can use. So if you are someone with low conditioning levels, you can do some of those cardiac output work, whether it's just a steady state jog one day, keeping within that heart rate, another day where you do more of a aerobic capacity circuit with weights, and then another day where you might do some tempo intervals. You're just mixing it up and, and using the, the kind of the, 
the prescriptions that I've mentioned today. So go back, listen back again to this podcast. How many days? What zone should I be in? And obviously then I've just give you the examples of two, two good examples of activation zone work. And they're the usually ones that I work on the most with clients. And obviously I will just look to progress them. More tempo intervals, more volume of work, the more a client can recover, I can add more sets on. If we're focusing more on the cardiac output work, circuit works and they're recovering very quick, I can add more sets on keeping them in that zone. And, and the same principles apply to this as they do in weight training, whether that's adding more resistance, adding more sets, adding more reps. Exactly the same thing. Just before we go into the threshold zone, um, because this is going to be the last one that I'm going to cover, just because there's no point going into the VO2 zone, because that is more for people with really high conditioning levels. And I doubt people listening to this fall into that category and you're not advanced athletes nor do you necessarily need that type of training. And I don't want to give you too many things to think about. I want to keep it very simple with what's probably going to benefit you the most. And that's even what I do as a trainer with and someone who's got more of a higher fitness level, I usually stay within the activation zone and threshold zone. And just before we go into the threshold zone, another type of training that I absolutely love, which falls just below that kind of anaerobic threshold is what we call high intensity continuous training. So high intensity continuous training is another type of training that I absolutely love with protocol wise. And the methods can include things like step ups, spin bike, the versa climbers, prowler pulling, etc. And what you want to do, even medicine ball slams, I, uh, I really like them as well. And what you want to do is make sure that each rep is fast or very explosive. Obviously, if it starts to get slow and sloppy, then it's no longer this high-intensity continuous training and it's more just like aerobic training. So what I like to do with this one is perform a rep and then you want to take a little bit of a break before performing the next repetition to ensure, ensure that the quality is high and that you stay below your anaerobic threshold whilst utilizing this method. So I'll often throw a heart rate monitor on for this as well with clients. And for example, we'll do like a medicine ball slam, a very explosive medicine ball slam, pick it up nice and controlled, rest in about two to three seconds to be able to repeat that same intensity for the next rep. And what I can do with this one, I can, this one could be as little as like seven minutes per set where it's just continuous for about seven minutes. And for people that are a bit more conditioned, you can go as long as 20 minutes can even do things like walking lunges up a hill for this one. So it's pretty gruesome, but it's just below that threshold. And this is another great method where you could just go up, get a hill, lunge, pause, lunge, pause. And you will just go up and down and then maybe walk back down and jog back down to repeat whatever. It is really, really good type of training. And the norm with this one is usually to get about, two to three sets but again cater this to the individual cater it to yourself or the client standing in front of you get ready to get a sweat on um this is a fantastic protocol as well in terms of the threshold type of training there's kind of one that i really go to most most often with this and don't really go anywhere else with it is the um, anaerobic threshold type of training the key with this one is to maintain constant kind of high power output for around three to five minutes, resting two to three minutes. And um, most people's 
anaerobic threshold range would be around, like we mentioned before, the 150 to mid 160s for people for the duration of the work. And you want to do about four rounds of this um, of three to five minutes is usually a good place to start with this conditioning method. Again, using things like the assault bike where you keep your heart rate at say mid 160 for five minutes is absolutely brutal, but it's just keeping you in that anaerobic threshold. And that's another very, very good tool to use if you want to take the intensities a little bit higher without going to that VO2 zone, which like I mentioned before, most general population clients certainly don't need. So I think that's a really good idea and understanding of the different methods you can use. Also an understanding of the heart rate zones that, that I use. And then also looking at what tests that you do before it, looking into your resting heart rate, start measuring those as often as you want to start seeing if you're getting any better. The prescriptions that I mentioned when I went over the intensities and selecting the right volume and intensity for you, depending on your conditioning levels, you can start being creative as possible with this. I like to do a lot of this style of training with the clients that come and see me. People with low conditioning levels that might come and see me three times a week will do a lot of this, that, um, that, activation zone work, general physical preparedness activity within resistance training as well, keeping them within that zone for the duration of the session. And that's how I look at it in terms of making people, making people healthier, doing the right type of training for them so they can recover and do more of it. And ultimately for most people, the goal is a three by 52. And what I mean by that exercising at least three times a week for 52 weeks of the year, that is what most people need to really focus on and most people need to do to get the most out of anything that, we, that we're, we're doing in terms of a health standpoint or weight loss standpoint, whatever your goal may be. But I hope that helps you today with the, and a few takeaways. That's the main thing I want you to get from today's podcast. Give you some takeaways so you can go and implement it. Let me know how you get on. Any more questions about this, let me know. I'm more than happy to discuss this further. And yeah, crack on and good luck. And I will see you soon for the next episode of the Fat Fix podcast.